What's up, guys? It's your boys, the Baffle Boys. I'm Andrew Capuano. I'm Jason Reese. I'm Dom Khaleesi, and this is going to be the best podcast you've ever heard. All right, so welcome to our first segment where we will be analyzing chapters one to three in Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. All right, so so Vonnegut really um, he starts off this book in the first chapter by explaining to the audience kind of how it how it took so long for him to come together and actually write this book, and a lot of it he explains just the destruction and the the madness in his mind from his experiences in Dresden, uh, especially how it was so hard to just write on paper. Uh, Vonnegut really, he kind of t- t- tells a couple of stories about how his wartime friend, Bernard uh, O'Hare, how they went back to Dresden and the experiences that, that took on him. And I, I think it's pretty, pretty cool how he uh, dedicates this book to O'Hare's wife, Mary. So the, yeah, the first chapter really, uh, is obviously evident of the the metafiction uh, that exists here, and then the second chapter, how he he starts with Billy P- Pilgrim as the the character of the book. So, what do you guys, what do you guys think? Uh, I think uh, Billy Pilgrim, you know, it's kind of like an image of himself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, no, like, I mean, reading this book, just you just kind of picture like what's going on through like i mean being in dresden like you can't even imagine like what they saw and everything they went through yeah. i mean that kind of brings up modern day time with the ptsd that kind of we get a feel for now because it's kind of i mean it's always been there don't get me wrong it's always been there yeah it's, just so, come prevalent. Back from it's war. so prevalent now you know yeah because now we have all these resources we can use to even really see all this and i mean the struggles that these guys and girls come back from war with like I mean, going homeless and, you know, people just can't handle it sometimes. Like, their yeah. spouses and kind of separates families. And it's hard for them to get a job because they got all this going through their mind. So, right. I mean, especially when uh, in the book, I mean, you just see and hear all these stories and from Vonnegut. And yeah. I just can't even imagine it. Right, yeah, I'd say the big thing I took away from the first three chapters is, is really the, what I kind of analyzed was the effects of war, and the war experience on Billy Pilgrim, which I think Vonnegut's uh, trying to portray to the audience, in like a in like a bigger way, and how, we see in the second and third chapter, Billy actually like, has no control over, uh, like jumping around through his life, which I think is is actually representative of uh, veterans and those experienced war. And I think that's a really interesting thing that Vonnegut actually does in the f- uh, first couple chapters. Yeah, no, I mean, you're exactly right, Jason. Like, uh, you know, you see today and, I mean, President Trump, you know, because, I mean, we're older now. We didn't really, couldn't really follow up on Obama and, like, everything he did. But yeah. you see that, like, Donald Trump's just if you I saw on the news he's trying to pass some more VA bills to help these guys out. Uh now that we're, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old, we're able to kinda comprehend more of what's going on in our life and in the country and it's just I mean, the stuff that Vonnegut writes in these first three chapters and the sh- struggle he has to even write this 
I mean, right. it took yeah, them a that's while huge to for get sure. out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say another reason, like, we really see it today is because we see, like, these stats that come out, and it's, like, right. huge numbers, like, veterans and, and people struggling with PTSD, like, can't get a job, and, yeah, you know, when you're, when you were, yeah, when you were a kid, like, you'd, you'd drive past homeless people, and, like, you couldn't really read their signs, you know? Yeah. But, like, today you see it, and it's, like, everybody's saying, like, yeah, I was a veteran, Yeah, you know, I'm just struggling now, and, like, that's kind of what Vonnegut's trying to say is, like, he got back trying to write this book he like doesn't even know if he wants to because he has like no motivation to do it yeah and uh his mind's just like messed up like he doesn't even know what to do yeah i think he wants the the readers to kind of understand is that it, the like to take it serious because you know when you see those like the you know homeless people you don't really assume they're veterans or you kind of just assume something went wrong with them but a lot of his stuff that they can't control with you know ptsd come back uh, the government a lot of people don't really help them you get back into like real life i think vonnegut explaining how how much trouble he had actually writing this book is a good example of that yeah another thing today like the movie american sniper i know some parts aren't true but uh when chris kyle comes back and you know even the scene where he's in the auto shop and the guy's fixing up the car and you know the sounds that the yeah, guy right. was making, he he jumped, and yeah. even at the birthday party scene when the dog was going crazy, like like we we don't really know if all that's true, but like what the what they're trying to say, like the message that us the audience are getting, mm-hmm. is that even the dog barking, and you know he thought that the dog was attacking the kid, but you just live with that, you can't yeah. get that out of your head. Yeah, it's a really sad reality, you know, like. There's nothing like, there's nothing we even say about it. Like we think we th- we always uh, assume like it's drug use or something. It's, yeah, it's right. Not, like yeah, it's much more than that. Yeah, for sure. I think I think one other thing I uh, took away that or that I, I should say I noticed was in the first chapter when Vonnegut talked about uh, him and his uh, wartime friend uh, O'Hare going back to Dresden. He talked. To, he mentioned uh, the Dresden slaughterhouse. Which is kind of what we noticed the first reference to the uh, title, which I th- thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, thinking about it, I was like going back to Dresden. Like that had to be so hard for him. Yeah, that's that's, that's like, nice. Just imagining like everything he went through, like getting those pictures back in his head. Like that's real sad. Yeah, what yeah. was it? A few days that we learned that they just bombed the city yeah. completely. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. I mean, the human body has to sleep at some point, but it can't sleep on all you keep thinking in your mind is, am I going to die from a bomb or, like, what's going to happen? And yeah. Wake up in the middle of the night and it's an unhealthy and just really messes people up. Yeah. Like, especially when he talks about, like, when he was, when he did talk about, uh, like, when he, when he first stated, like, the Dresden Slaughterhouse and, he, like, talks about, like, the images he remembers from there. And it's, like, hoved animal. It says... Almost all the hooved animals in Germany had been killed and yeah. even executed by human beings, mostly soldiers. Yeah. That's just like some gross stuff and it's like that's gotta be really hard to imagine and remember. Yeah. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, you know most of the casualties were civilians, so you know, one day you're waking up you're waking up thinking, Oh, I gotta take little Tommy to soccer practice and then you look up here at air raid sirens and Soccer's canceled because shit's going to hell. Yeah, it's, it's 
harsh reality, man. Yeah, for real. I mean, like, how can you just go back and live your life and realize that, wow, like, a minute ago I was sitting at my doorstep, and then a minute later my house is on fire from the bombs that these people are dropping on us. Yeah. All right, I'd say, you know, I think that's pretty good analysis of the first two chapters. Yep, uh, stay tuned, or else the Baffle Boys will find you. Hey guys, we're back. The Baffle Boys are ready to teach you boys about some death here. Uh, throughout the book, Billy, he sees lots of death and it's all around him. Even when he goes home from the war, and in, in this book, just death is a huge factor throughout the book. Uh, the bombing of Dresden, over 100,000 people died in the Dresden firebombing. And this bombing went on for days. After one wave went through, another went through, and another went through. People just were dying. It was mostly civilians. And, you know, they just go outside and look up, and a bomb is falling on them. And, you know, not only is it just devastation of people, the whole entire city is just leveled. I mean, where you think the park's at is just a crater hole of a bomb and the shells everywhere and just, I mean, how many people were homeless after this? Just insane amount. And this city of Dresden was already getting immigrants and migrants and to escape the war, they thought Dresden's a safe city, you know, not much of a military presence there. And, I mean, on top of all of them dying and become, they became migrants and they just had to move the whole city of or remaining population in Dresden just had to move because their homes and buildings and places of work were just destroyed. What do you guys think on this? Yeah, I mean, the whole the whole vibe of you know like death and war is just is really brutal. Uh, Vonnegut obviously he explains how he's anti-war, and that's you can understand for many reasons. Obviously, his, his experiences. And he has, uh, in the second chapter, uh, Billy, they actually ask him about his opinions on the Vietnam War. And he says he has no opinion. And obviously, uh, the author Vonnegut, you can understand where that comes from. And like, whether it's from the time of Vonnegut when he experienced this, these bombings and all the death around him to, to now, I, I feel the whole, the thought about death and the whole, Negativity of death is uh, very obvious. Very, you can't can't blame anybody for being scared of death. Yeah, this book, I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. Every other page, at least, maybe even every single page, there's at least one instance of death, and they are like the the brutal. craziest ways. Uh, yeah. In one, in one example, it says, "This is." the one he thought was the very worst form of execution said, you stick a guy out on an anthill in the desert. He's facing upward and you put honey all over his balls and pecker and you cut off his eyelids. So he has to stare at the sun until he dies. So it goes. And I mean, yeah. like that is, that's, that's a terrible way to go out. Uh, I mean, Vonnegut's using some humor there, but still like just the thought of just, imagine. I mean, that's how you go. I mean, I mean, gross. Gross. is it humor though? Like that, <laughs> that's like these are these are Billy's actual experiences. Humor, like, oh my god, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and this messed up. This was like every an everyday thing for uh, Billy when he was in Dresden. And that's just that's just terrible. 
Yeah, I think when you think about the brutality of some of the deaths that Vonnegut has in the book, you kind of right off that comes out like comes to mind is nowadays or like recent years, recent decades, the the death penalty, which I think has a lot of obvious uh, controversy over. Yeah, no, I think I think it's it's off the top of my head, but I feel like actually I know there's like twenty or something states that still have this, and I mean. You can't just put someone to death because of something they did in the past. Because, you know, as time goes on, you change and, you know, you start regretting yeah. what you did and you're just wanting forgiveness and, you know, you changed the way of life. And, yeah. I mean, if, if you were, like, for example, you know, you're on something that, you know, it's not you. It's not you as a person. And, you know, you go out and do something that you'll regret the rest of your life and then you go and just get electrocuted and, just shot or injected and that's your life just gone i mean i would say jail is definitely a better alternative uh to that because i would i would say a lot of people uh do kind of fix themselves when they're in jail and i mean that's that's a lot better than the death penalty just getting killed for what you've done yeah i'd say whether it's you know an amount of prison time or I, i feel like the you know, the prison system, I feel like there should be a lot better job of, you know, helping to convert uh, murderers, you know, or criminals instead of just automatically going straight to the death penalty, just immorally taking somebody's life just like that is, I think it's kind of ridiculous. But I mean, I'd say that there are a lot of issues with the prison system, but there are sometimes yeah. that there actually is a lot of good that comes out of it. I mean, people do change. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Some stuff you see. So, uh, you know, there's a, a few stats uh, that they kept recorded about current, uh, you know, current murders in our, in our area and the, the country alone. And it's kind of crazy to think that there was uh, three, 307 mass shootings in the U.S. in 2018. Like, that's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, and going off that, Jason, uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing every time afterwards. You know, someone will make, an, uh, they'll make a statement and be like, oh, we need better gun control, and then, you know, another group would be like, it's not it's not the gun's fault, it's the person behind it. And then they just mm-hmm. debate back and forth for, like, another couple weeks, and then, well, yeah. sure enough, there's another mass shooting, and, you know, it's just a yeah. cycle. And, I mean, the only way to yeah. break the cycle is to find a solution. Exactly. It's got to be something's got to happen. Yeah, we yeah. see a lot of the – a lot of murders. I mean, Chicago – Chicago's yeah. just known for that. I mean, when people think of Chicago, right. they just think of violence and crime rate. And I mean, there are stats that show that, but it's not completely all Chicago. But there's 542 deaths by murder in Chicago in 2018 alone. I mean, it's just got to end because it's just a cycle of violence and it just affects everyone. Like people are afraid to leave their homes. And I mean, people that stay in their homes because of, they're afraid to go outside, they stray bullets wind up going through windows and taking them out. And it's like, it's not the way to go. Yeah. I mean, what was it like just a couple of days in 2018 where there weren't killings, there weren't shootings. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Everybody thought it was a miracle. Yeah, that's like, that's crazy. Like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be like, Oh my God, like this is the best day ever. Like there weren't shootings today. Like that should be almost every day. The opposite. There aren't. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should exactly. be. This is terrible. There was one day that there was a shooting. 
Yeah. I mean, you see the they have like the countdown and I mean, you see like all over like social media like people are joking about oh, one day went by, no one got shot. Let's see how day 2 goes. I mean, we shouldn't be really thinking like that. I mean, yeah. every time someone dies, it should be justice or not even that, just prevention of so it doesn't yeah, happen exactly. again and maybe we can just stop it as a whole, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll be right back with a great segment about aliens right after this. Stay tuned. Uh, welcome back, guys. We are now going to talk about some aliens. In the novel, the tra- trail Famadorians capture Billy Pilgrim and make it so that he is unstuck from time. This causes him to shoot back and forth from past and present and future. He's brought into their UFO, taken to the planet Tralfamador, where he was put into a zoo naked. I mean, that's that's some crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of yeah, wild. They <laughs> <laughs> got a crazy name. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty sure much what, a summary of, I'm not of sure what, what happens with the aliens. I'm not sure what kind of stuff uh, Vonnegut went through, but uh, it's kind of... Yeah, wherever Vonnegut I got this experience from, <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah, no, Kev uh, has a lot of experience with that. <laughs> in the text, uh, Vonnegut, he says that he got kidnapped on the night of his daughter's wedding, and he missed it. And, I mean, how, I mean, I don't even know what to really say about that, but, like. <laughs> I think he said that he didn't actually miss it, but, like, he was gone for the whole thing, and then he went back in time, so he was there. Yeah, it was kind of So weird. it was like, it's kinda like this unstuck from time thing, like, he has no, uh, like, he can just travel whenever he wants. Yeah, and he has, and he has like, no control. It's kind of weird that he has no control like, over the chronological, like, sequence of where he's going. Yeah, he's, he was saying, like, he goes to the war, and then he goes to, like, his job as a optometrist, I think it is, that, yeah. that's now. And then he goes back to his childhood. Yeah. And, like, that's just, like, random order of events. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way he, like, writes it, he says, their suction cups were on the ground, and their shafts, which were extremely flexible, usually pointed to the sky. At the top of each shaft was a little hand with a green eye in his palm. I mean, like, I don't know how... You can write about this, but <laughs> it's kind of like hard yeah, to it, believe. Like, like, yeah, and he just throws, like the aliens just throw him in different time segments of his life, and then he just writes about those experiences. But I mean, you do, I mean, you do hear the stories. For example, shagging Scooby Doo in the one episode <laughs> got chased around by little Martians, and they got taken up on the ship. I mean. I don't know if that's what it was like for Vonnegut, but, I mean, I've never really been there on an alien ship. I mean, that's all I can really imagine. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but if Vonnegut's going this in-depth about Billy's experience with aliens, I don't know I don't know how you can't believe that Vonnegut has been yeah, abducted by true. aliens. Yeah, but, I mean, nobody ever believes when somebody had an encounter with aliens. All I got to say is aliens are real. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who knows? I mean, I mean, my brother, uh, he's going to New Mexico this week for uh, 
mini master with Saint Rita, so hopefully he doesn't get taken by aliens because <laughs> that's right around uh, Area Fifty One, that I mean, area over there. Today I read something about uh, this guy. Uh, he has autism, and he was able to hack into the government. He was able to hack sixteen thousand computers at one time. And that he saw that the government was hiding that aliens are real. Yeah, that's 100%. I, I believe that 100%. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, like, they have a lot of... They hide, they hide a lot of stuff. Yeah, they exactly. had a lot of stuff. And uh, you, know, you don't know who you can trust. Yeah, have, I mean... You ever, you ever seen that one video where it's like... It's like the, uh, the satellite kind of picking up on... Like talking of aliens or whatever. Yeah, I've seen that. You can't even tell me that doesn't. Yeah, you, just, you, you see that. You, sometimes, like you see those videos, like people like seeing like UFOs and stuff, and you're yeah. like, like that that doesn't look a hundred percent real, but like at the same time, it's like at the same time, kinda, yeah, it's like kind of sketchy. It's like, but like, why would somebody just make that for no reason? Yeah, like, it kind of yeah. looks kind of looks real. And yeah. it kind of gets you to think here. I mean, you know, people. I mean, there was that one video. Uh, guys in the field in China and goes up and just some zooms oh, past yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I don't think it's a shooting star. <laughs> but you know who knows these days, right? I mean, I you guess want... I guess we'll find out eventually. That's true. I mean, Vonnegut Vonnegut's pretty uh, he's pretty like informed on this. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I don't know. You I mean, might have had an encounter and. I mean, people never really believe you if you have an encounter and then you're just secluded from society because you're the only one who believes it. It's like, should that yeah. be the case? Yeah. yeah. Like, young kids, their moms come up to you and be like, oh, don't be like Mr. Vonnie, get down the street. I think he saw an alien. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, stay away from him, little Johnny. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All these conspiracy theories nowadays, it's like, you know, a- aliens coming like secretly, and then like making clones of people and just t- taking away the actual person. Dude, for real, like there are so many conspiracy theories now. Like it's hard not to believe some of them. And it's, yeah. like, that's especially kind of the, that's one of them. Especially the alien ones. Especially, like, I know. All the t- all the talk about like, you know, moving to Mars and like that just doesn't come out of nowhere. Like you think about it, and it's like the universe is so big that what are the like chances that there aren't. Yeah, yeah, there's gotta know, be. Like, you know, yeah. there's gotta be other. There's know. yeah, there's no way that we're the only people out here. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't believe that. I agree. I mean, the Milky Way is only one galaxy. How many yeah. other things are and there? And it's I mean, giant. So, like, we haven't even explored the whole Milky Way, and there are many, many more. So, and I mean, Vonnegut does get his phrase. So it goes from the trail. Trelfomadorians. He says it in his text. Yeah, that's a so. that's a weird name, man. I don't know. You can't just one. make that up. <laughs> yeah, you don't make that one up. Like you gotta, <laughs> you gotta have some real life experience to make up a trail Famidorian. Yeah, I mean maybe that's the way his uh his letters flew up in his soup. Maybe that's how he got it, but I doubt that's that yeah. possibility. You know, he point. just poured out some alphabet soup and trail Famidorian <laughs> popped up. I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah. There's a chance though, just like hey, there's a chance knows? that he was actually abducted. Yeah, I mean you, he does write a whole book and uses them throughout the book several times. 
So, I mean, you can't make – you can only make up so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to be pretty creative, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, it gets hard after a while, even when you are creative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so, thanks for listening to the Baffo Boys. Hope you had a great time. Tune in for next week for another fantastic podcast.